This is the Access Health Radio Question and Answer Show. Welcome to the Access Health Radio Show. I'm Dr. Brian Forrest, and this week we will be discussing questions that we've received recently and the answers to them on Access Health Radio. And I'm Mike Davis. Thanks for joining us here on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. We come your way each Sunday afternoon at this time. We have a different format today. As Dr. Forrest has mentioned, he is a board-certified family physician with Access Healthcare in Apex. We're not going to be focusing on one topic today. Instead, we're going to go over a multitude of some of the most asked questions that Dr. Forrest has received over the last year from you. And remember, you can submit your future questions for the show at accesshealthradio.com. So, uh, Dr. Forrest, on to our first batch of questions today. The first question is about some of the new diets that are out there. This person would like to know what's the difference between the paleo, the keto, and the intermittent fasting diets. And I hope I said all those correctly. No, I think you. I think you got it correct. So <laughs> the pa- the paleo diet, uh, which you know some people say comes from basically cavemen, they call it the caveman diet, <laughs> is is based on the idea that much of what we currently eat is making us unhealthy because it's processed and it's been cultivated. And and the idea with paleo is that you eat only what you could if you were out wandering the land as a hunter gatherer um, and and just eating what you came across. So when you think about it, it basically means that things that you would find out in the woods, you know, things like fresh berries, uh, nuts, uh, you know, tree-based fruits like apples, uh, fish, meat. um, And and the truth is it is a healthier way to eat since it gets rid of a lot of the processed foods. And it relies on a lot of foods that are also found in the DASH diet, which is very good for health. Um, however, the weight loss um, from the diet is calorie restriction based. So if you eat too much on the paleo diet, you can still have a weight problem. Um, but if you take the concept at its root and you eat only what a typical prehistoric man might have been able to find in an average day, then you're likely to get pretty lean. Um, and if, if uh, any of the listeners have watched some of the survival shows uh, where they have somebody go out and they have a limited number of resources and they leave them out in the woods for, you know, weeks. Uh, on those shows, very often people will lose 30 or 40 pounds uh, in one month. And they, they are allowed to eat anything they can find. So they, you know, they eat uh, weeds and they eat snails and rabbits and they fish and everything else. But even with that, the average person that goes on there that's been on the American diet typically uses a, about 30 to 40 pounds. So, uh, it is effective. Um, the keto diet is sort of a new version of the low carb diet um, where you try to add certain fats uh, into the diet and keep the carbs very low. And while I'm an advocate for a low carb diet for many people, um, and while a lot of people have been successful with weight loss on the keto diet, for overall health, I still have some concerns. Um, some of the fats that are recommended, like coconut oil, they actually may raise cholesterol levels. Um, so it's hard for a doctor to recommend something that might help with your weight, but I might also potentially increase the risk for other things like heart attacks. So, um, however, eating low carbs in general, especially for people who have a family history of diabetes or who might be what we call pre-diabetic, really does make a lot of sense. Um, so I'm in favor of low carb diets, but not necessarily specifically things like keto or Atkins. Uh, sometimes they take it a little too far and go, go too much to an extreme. Um, and then lastly, 
Um, the, probably the newest thing around is what's called intermittent fasting. And this is a diet that's actually getting a lot of positive reaction by health professionals uh, because data so far shows that not only does it work, but for most people, it appears to be safe and possibly have other health benefits like improving insulin sensitivity um, and that type of thing. And so in its most simple form, it's very simple. Uh, it just involves eating during a limited time period each day. So it gives your body a break from eating, you know, all the time you're awake. So um, and I've done this myself and find that it's pretty easy to stick with. Uh, but for example, the way it works is if you eat breakfast at 10 o'clock in the morning, then you want to make sure that you're done with your last meal and snack by 5 p.m. Um, so it's just setting a window during the day of time when you eat all the food. Um, and it helps people sleep better a lot of times because they have less indigestion and reflux because, you know, they've stopped eating at five, six or seven o'clock. So it's very flexible. You can change the hours on it. Uh, to whatever, you know, accommodates your schedule. But the idea is that you try to eat all the food you're going to eat during a day within a six to eight hour window. Um, and it can be very effective. We've had a lot of patients do really well on it. Uh, we've had people, you know, reverse their prediabetes with it. We've had people that were sort of in the borderline diabetic area and have their sugars return to normal, um, you know, lose 15 to 20 pounds in a couple months. So uh, that seems to be working really well. So I'm not generally a fad diet uh, fan. Uh, but of the ones we mentioned today, probably the intermittent fasting uh, looks like it's working very well. So what I hear you saying is I'm probably I need to cut out my all day grazing on this diet. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, a while <laughs> back, there was sort of a theory that that all day grazing was good. But it turns out that your body really needs a break mm. uh, from sort of the fed state. And, and, you know, if you're eating all day, your body's pumping out insulin all day huh. um, and it never gets a chance to burn any fat. You know, we we store energy as starch in our liver. And if every time you stop eating, your body's just basically burning that starch in your liver um, and it never gets depleted, then you're never burning fat, even when you're not eating. And so what this does is really gives your body a chance to um, sort of get into burning fat. And that seems to be helping with a lot of things, especially insulin sensitivity. Dr. Forrest, here's our next question. It is also about diet. If I could just pick one thing to include in my diet that's healthy, what would that be? Well, that's a great question. So I know a lot of a lot of my patients say they don't really like uh, fruits or vegetables or sort of meat and potatoes people. Mm -hmm. And they say, well, if I had to eat one thing that was good for me, what would that be? Well, um, there are some foods out there that some people call superfoods. And they're, they're foods that contain such high levels of nutrition and beneficial compounds that actually eating them may improve your health. So there are lots of examples of these, and I'll mention a few of them, like uh, kiwi fruit, broccoli, blueberries, nuts, uh, cold water fish, and then all of what we call the cruciferous vegetables. Uh, those are all good superfoods. Um, but based on recent research, it appears like if you could only do one one vegetable, kale might be the winner. I was um, I was afraid it, you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, it, you know, it has almost everything in it that's good for you. Nothing that's not good for you. Uh, it is, you know, by itself, it can be sort of plain and not appetizing, mm -hmm. but if you eat it sort of as your lettuce in a salad, or if you eat it as a snack that's lightly fried into chips and olive oil, it can actually be pretty good. Okay. Uh, but, but a recent study found that just eating kale once a day, 
could be as effective as a single blood pressure medicine in lowering your blood pressure. Mm. Uh, so if you've got to have one thing you're going to eat uh, to sort of uh, let the world know that you eat vegetables occasionally, <laughs> uh, kale is probably the thing to give a try and just figure out a way that you like to eat it. Okay. I, I promise I'll give it a try again. I promise I will. Okay. All right. All right. Thanks, Dr. Forrest. He is Dr. Brian Forrest, board certified family physician with Access Health Care. This is Access Health Radio. I'm Mike Davis. And today uh, we're going into the mailbag. We're going to take a break. When we come back, I'm going to ask Dr. Forrest, how can we keep ourselves out of the nursing home? That's straight ahead on Access Health Radio. Welcome back to Access Health Radio with board-certified family physician, Dr. Brian Forrest. I'm Mike Davis. We're going into the mailbag today. Most asked questions about health care. Dr. Forrest, here is our next one. What is the single most important thing I can do to stay healthy, in effect, not end up in a nursing home? What can we do? Yeah, well, uh, first of all, there's there's a lot of things you can do to be healthy. And I realize the question is to give a, a number one thing. So I'm going to give a top five list. Uh, okay. So coming in at number five is keeping your blood sugar under good control or even better in a normal range. So, you know, preventing diabetes or keeping your hemoglobin A1C, if you do have diabetes under seven, is very important. Uh, you know, that can prevent amputations, blindness, dialysis. Uh, help prevent heart disease and strokes. Uh, so that's that's number five. I'd say the fourth most important thing um, is getting to or maintaining a healthy body weight or waist size. And uh, a lot of times patients will ask me, well, doc, what is my ideal weight? What, what, what weight should I get to? Um, and that's really hard because there's just a lot of factors in that. Mm. Uh, there's even a number called the, the BMI or body mass index. Right. And if you go if you go by that, uh, some people that we would think of as really skinny, like Peyton Manning, who is a, you know he's a six foot five quarterback, but he only has a thirty two inch waist. Mm. Uh, technically, he's obese if you go by height weight charts. Wow. Uh, so so I don't really like height weight all that much, and BMI sometimes can be challenging depending on people's dimensions. Um, so what I really like is to go by waist inches, and that's uh, very medically proven in terms of health outcomes. So it's very simple. You just take your height. Uh, so let's say you're 72 inches tall, six feet, and you want your waist at your belly button. So if you took a tape measure and put it around you and you didn't cinch it up tight, you just basically made it fit around you at your belly button. Um, as long as it's less than half of your height. So for 72 inches, that would be a size 36. Then medically your weight's in good shape. Um, and so that's really what I use with patients. And it turns out that a lot of times it sort of correlates with about 10 pounds per inch of waist size. A lot of times it'll correlate with getting their BMI, you know, around 26 or 27. Um, but that's really where you want to be. So if you don't necessarily be so worried about the weight. Uh, but if you put a tape measure around your waist, at your belly button, and it's more than uh, half your height in inches, uh, then you've still got some room to go. Um, so you know, the other thing is, um, exercise, everybody hears all the time that exercise is healthy. So I'd say that's probably the third most important thing. Um, tons of studies show that, you know, 150 minutes per week of aerobic activity, uh, and that means getting your heart rate into a, a target heart rate zone can prevent all kinds of disease and keep you more functional as you age. 
Um, so really important that 150 minutes, it doesn't really matter that much how you break it up. So you could be a, a weekend warrior and spend 75 minutes on Saturday and 75 minutes on Sunday, you know, going for a brisk walk each day, or you could do 30 minutes, five days a week, but we know that 150 minutes a week is key. Uh, and the second most important thing you can do is controlling your cholesterol. Um, the most common reason that people die prematurely or end up in a nursing home has to do with blockages in the arteries that can cause strokes and heart attacks. And many people don't realize that as much as half of the people who get dementia or memory loss as they age, it's actually caused by blockages in the brain. So uh, and, and now, you know, that's that's really on people's minds. I have a lot of patients who say, you know, Doc, I want to live a long, healthy life, but I really want to stay functional. I really want to keep my brain function as long as I can. And it turns out the number one thing they can probably do is really protect their brain from blockages. Um, so that's a really important one. Uh, and so drum roll, we're sort of down to the number one thing. And I'm going to I'm going to give a caveat, which <laughs> is that, uh, smoking would also go along with this. Uh, but the only thing that you can the, the number one thing that you can do, uh, assuming you're not smoking uh, to improve your health and keep you from ending up you know, debilitated or with a disability like a stroke as you get older is controlling your blood pressure. Um, in one study, they found that blood pressure is at least twice as powerful for your health and preventing those type things as cholesterol. And, you know, even 10 extra points of blood pressure reduction, or excuse me, 10 extra points of blood pressure increase can double your stroke risk. Um, so, you know, your risk of most types of cardiovascular disease doubles for every 10 points of blood pressure over 119. Um, so if there's one thing you want to do, if there's one thing you want to make sure your doctor's working with you on to control, there's one thing you want to make sure that's, that's in tip top shape, probably keeping that blood pressure um, less than 140 on average. And ideally, you know, in the high one teens, low one twenties is probably ideal. Okay, Dr. Forrest, it's time now for one of my favorite features, the access health tip of the week. Well, we're always looking for ways to save our patients on their healthcare and prescription costs. And prescription medications is a big one of those. And we've discovered a local gym of a pharmacy that's local called We Care of Apex. And this pharmacy has had terrific customer service for our patients. And they also offer free delivery in the whole state of North Carolina. So uh, anybody can use them and uh, they will deliver for free anywhere in the state for 90 day supplies. And they typically price match uh, the lowest price you can find for a generic medication. So really hard to beat. Uh, their number is 919-629-6010. Again, that's 919-629-6010. Very good. Time for our next batch of questions. And this is one that we get a lot about, Megan. And you've mentioned this before, where patients can get discounts on generic medicines if they have a certain app on their phone. And you said there's one app where you could actually earn points and get Amazon credits and gift cards. Can you describe more about that? Yeah. So a lot of people are probably familiar with some of these type apps, GoodRx being one of those, but the way GoodRx works is they actually uh, are paid by the pharmacy. You get the prescription filled at a marketing fee. Uh, and that money goes to GoodRx. And you can actually benefit from part of that fee if you use a different app called AHD space RX. Um, and you can search in the iTunes store or on the Google Play store for AHD, then a space and then RX. 
And that app works. It functions just like GoodRx does in terms of finding the lowest price for you, uh, you know, in your zip code uh, and showing you where those discounts are and you can print off coupons or whatever. Um, but the benefit is it also has a rewards program. So as you actually use the app, um, you build up points. So if you buy your prescriptions for a whole year on there, uh, then at the end of the year, they'll send you gift cards. So you could actually earn Amazon gift cards for getting your prescriptions filled. Uh, so that's AHDRX. There's also a website, AHDRX.com, but you can also get the iPhone app. And that's the one that I tend to use and my patients do too. Very good. Our next question, Dr. Forrest, uh, and this is this is really big right now in the heart of COVID. If I don't want to go to the doctor's office, but I need to get a prescription, or if I have a medical problem, how do I get a telemedicine visit? And maybe you should actually say for some of us, what is telemedicine? Right. Well, there are lots of companies that do telemedicine, but it's honestly ideal if you're doing that with uh, a local physician or even better, you know, your own physician. Um, but uh, so, again, there's a ton of companies out there. But for our office, if somebody wanted to get a telemedicine visit, they could just uh, send an email to easyappoint123 at gmail.com. That's easy appoint appoint123 at gmail.com if they wanted to schedule one with us. But telemedicine is basically you know, it's sort of like FaceTime for a doctor's visit. Mm, okay. And uh, we do we do typically use, uh, most doctor's offices are going to use secure technology that's encrypted, unlike FaceTime, uh, so that whatever you talk with the doctor about is going to be private and you can, you know, ensure that's a secure connection. Be HIPAA uh, approved, in other words. Sure. But we do tons of stuff. We do rashes. We treat sore throats. We look in uh, people's ears and all kinds of things. And, you, <laughs> you know, the, the cameras have gotten so good on phones uh, that we can actually see a lot. Um, you know, over these type apps now. And there's even some equipment that goes with it. Uh, we have some patients, you know, if they have, say, a chronic heart problem or something like that, they can actually get a like stethoscope that they put on themselves or uh, and, and it transfers the sounds uh, over the telemedicine visit. Uh, so there's all types of equipment people can order people that want to. Let's say they had chronic ear problems. They could uh, get an otoscope where they could actually put it in their ear and we could see that remotely. Uh, so some really cool things going on with that. Straight ahead, more valuable contact information so you can ask Dr. Forrest a question. And our trivia of the week is coming up, so stay tuned. This is Access Health Radio with board-certified family physician Dr. Brian Forrest. Time for our trivia of the week, Doc. Well, we were just talking about telemedicine, and the trivia this week is, what's the number one state in the country for telemedicine? You probably can guess. And 75% of the people in this state use it, and that's Alaska. That makes sense. So how can folks get in touch with you, Dr. Forrest? They can call us at 919-363-0190 if they want to schedule an appointment or look look for our office website at acchealth.com. Our scripture this week is from Exodus 15, 26. If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do that which is right in his eyes and give ear to his commandments and keep all of his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord, your healer. Thanks for listening to the Access Health Show, and we look forward to joining you again next Sunday at 4 p.m. Until then, God bless your health.